This morning, I'd, I'm go, we're going to uh, start a series of thoughts that uh, will go for several weeks because we're going to be looking at the life of Abraham, <clears throat> and it will be under the heading of what the scriptures have declared, of course, and major, all major religions have recognized that Abraham is, is a founder or the father of faith, and it will take us a while to go through that, but what I, what I want to do, what I plan to do, is to not only look at uh, Abraham's faith as an example, as the scriptures teach us about faith, but then also to look at the life of Abraham as he was living his life by faith, which means that he was living his life in faith or by faith with his, own, with his frailties, with his flaws, and with his failures, but yet he continually rested in his faith overcome. When, I, when we think about faith, what we're actually saying is belief. You know, I believe. I have faith in something. And typically, when we talk of faith, uh, we talk about faith as being a belief in something that is unseen. Um, as Paul said, if, if we see it, it's not faith. It becomes a fact. So faith in the unseen is faith in God, um, faith in your soul, faith in the afterlife. It's things that we don't see. Yet, all civilizations have wrestled with that and really have a deep-seated belief in the unseen. In fact, I've said on previous occasions that if you don't believe in God, or you don't believe in a soul, your soul, or you don't believe in the afterlife, you are in a, a minority of all human existence. Because every religion in, at every point has, has believed in this and sought to understand it. So it's the unseen. Well, what makes faith sometimes difficult is because it's unseen, it's unknown for us. Um, we don't know because we can't see. And especially in the Christian faith, our belief in God is that for all of us, it is a discovery that we uh, embark on when it comes to God. We may have, as some writers and philosophers have said, we may have some sort of imprint in our mind or heart from the Creator, God, but yet we discover what that imprint means or what those thoughts mean. And so it's, you know, belief in the unknown. So you have the unseen and the unknown, but I want to expand it a little bit. And I, I, I want to deal with a couple of other things that I think faith um, plays in, and especially in the life and as, as we observe Abraham, it's faith 
or belief in spite of the unexpected and in spite of the unlikely, all right? We, we have a belief in the unseen and the unknown God in spite of what happens and in spite of things that are. Now, faith, my understanding early on when, when I first became a believer was that faith would replace all of the, in, in this case, all of the flaws and frailties and failures that I had. That was my initial belief. Later, I realized that faith didn't replace them. It simply sup- supplanted them. In other words, it, it, it was there with them. It's probably the wrong word, but faith uh, existed with all these things. I have to admit it had been an easier Christian life if, if we never, once we gave our lives over to God or began following him, it would be so much easier, would it not, for us to never have any more flaws or failures or frailties even. It'd be easier, but it's not. And that's what is fascinating to me, especially in the life of Abraham. And he's not the only one, it's just that we're going to have the opportunity to see how Abraham lived a life of faith in spite of his frailties that he had personally, the flaws that we're going to see, and the failures that he had to own. Yet, the scriptures testify time and time again that Abraham believed God. My text this morning is, uh, it may be every morning, I'm not for sure yet. Uh, Hebrews 11.8, the writer writes this and he says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. So these three things are, are striking to me uh, for several reasons that I'd like to share. Uh, one, one is, is that uh, he was called not knowing where he was going to be going. But that didn't matter because it says he obeyed even though he did not know where he was going. So that means that Abraham uh, was simply having to follow or believe the voice of God, the presence of God. But what's striking to me about, um, about Abraham and about this particular declaration about Abraham is a couple of things. One is his age, and two is human nature. Now, let's read, let me read in Genesis chapter 12, the actual account of Abraham when God spoke to him. Here's what the book of Genesis says in chapter 12. Now, the Lord said to Abram, then his name was called Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, 
you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and and Lot, his nephew, went with him. Abraham was 75 years old. That's striking to me. When he departed from Haran, Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people whom they had acquired in Haran. They departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, uh, and the Canaanites were there in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your descendants, I'm going to give you this land. So Abram there, right there, built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Then from there, it says, he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent. In other words, he he sat down for a bit uh, with Bethel on on the west and on the east, and there he, he built an altar again to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So Abram journeyed going on still, still toward the south. A couple of things uh, that, that are striking to me from the original reading in Genesis uh, that we see the result of in, in our text Hebrews is this. 75 years old, there is a radical change that takes place in this man's life. Now, I don't know about you, I'm not there yet, but I'm coming up on it. And I know how difficult, unlikely, unexpected it would be to make that kind of decision to uproot everything, to listen to an unseen, an unknown, and yet to commit one's whole being to that thing at 75 years I do think we all can think of it in our own scenarios how difficult it would be because we become so attached to the things that we have, where we are, what we've done. In fact, it's said over and over that the older we get, the less likely we enjoy change. Um, I think that's right. So for him at 75 to simply embark Not knowing where he's going, completely unfamiliar, and yet to be listening to the voice of the Lord is striking to me. At this point in my life, (laughs) it's striking. But the second thing that I think is very enlightening has to do with human nature. Human nature is, is this. We are pain, pleasure creatures. We have an aversion to pain, and we're drawn to pleasure. That's, that's, we know that. But here's another thing about human nature. If we have a need, we look to satisfy that need. If we don't have a need, we don't look to satisfy that need. So let's look at Abraham. I think obviously there was a need there that whatever his 75 years had given him, there still was a void 
something, an emptiness in his heart. Because I know from, again, human experience and, and human nature, if there's not a need, we will not look to satisfy it. But on the other hand, if there is a need, we're always looking to satisfy that need. So this tells me somewhere in that 75 years, no matter what Abram, Abraham had gathered up, there was still something missing to the point that when he heard the voice of the Lord, even though it was unseen, unknown, uh, he was going to a place he did not know where, he wasn't for sure how things were going to happen, still his belief was in God rather than the previous 75 years of life that he had lived. Now that's the strength of faith, all right, and, and that's we will be looking at that throughout this study, the strength, the strength of his faith. But regardless of how strong his faith was, he still had baggage that carried, I think he had baggage, you know, for 75 years. And from 75 on, he still had some of the baggage. The difference is going to be that his belief in God was going to override his frailties it was going to guide him through his flaws, and it was going to help him in his failures that perhaps he didn't have previous uh, to, the, to that time. When I look at this, and especially in Genesis, I see that, again, it was a very life-altering change that was beginning for him. I mean, twice we find that he built an altar to the Lord. Twice he stayed there and he, and he worshiped the Lord, which again shows kind of a certainty of worship. Now, here's what's interesting about that. Let me share a cut. Well, there's, there's legends about Abraham, for instance. What happened? What was he doing for 75 years? Well, one, one legend uh, tells, uh, one Jewish legend tells how that um, when he was young, he came out of a cave and he was looking across the desert. And, and, and he saw the sun, and the sun was brilliant across the desert. And Abraham, as a young man or young boy, looked at that and said, Surely the sun must be God to create such beauty. He went to bed, or night came, and he saw that the sun set, but the moon came up. And he concluded then, he said, well, the sun must not be God. Maybe the moon and all of the firmament is God, and they must be worshipped. But then the next morning he saw that the moon had set and the sun had risen. And he said, no, neither the sun or the moon can be gods and should be worshipped because they follow some law. So I'm going to find whoever sets these laws. That's one legend. Another legend has to do with when he was a young man. Of course, his, his father... Uh, was a maker of idols and worshipped idols, and legend says that he had um, 12 idols in his home and that his father had one for each month. And people would come and have, uh, you know, have Abraham's father make them an idol or something. And so this legend, I, I think, is almost uh, kind of comical. Uh, it's, it's that one day he was there watching, tending the shop for his father. Someone came in 
and asked for, uh, you know, to ask for a, a, an idol that had been made. And Abraham asked him, he said, how old are you? And he says, well, I'm 70. And the legend says, Abraham said to him, woe is the person who worships someone that's younger than him. Then later, another person came in and, and, and wanted, um, you know, they, they brought some things for the idols there, and they bought an idol. And when Abraham, Abraham saw that, he did the most unusual thing, the legend says. He says he took a stick and he knocked down 11 of the idols, knocked their heads off and knocked them off. And then on the 12th one, he put the stick on there and waited for his father to come home. Father came home, looked around and said, what happened? And Abraham said, well, all the other 11 idols got mad at the one idol and the one idol had a stick and decided to knock the heads off all the other idols. His father, Tara, said, well, that's crazy. That's foolish. They're nothing but sticks and stones and clay. And Abraham said, that's exactly right, that they're nothing more than that. So the, these legends try to tell us what happened in 75 years. I don't know. But I do know this. I know from human nature that if a need had been met in his life, he would not have searched or left but he searched and left, therefore there was some need there somewhere for him that he was willing at that age to uproot everything, take everything he had ever accumulated, and believe God. Now that's faith. That's belief. And so when I was thinking about that, I was thinking about how that unfortunately, even in our day and time, we sometimes have the same, uh, I would call, flaws. We believe in things that we have created. We put our faith in things that we have formated, uh, things that we have put together. And they're much like the idols that we, we don't seem to understand that they are nothing more than, than our imagination or our, our willingness and things of that sort. But I think that all during that time, Abraham for that 75 years, pondered, he considered, he thought, and he asked himself the appropriate question, am I believing in the right thing? Or am I putting my faith in the right thing? What will come back to me? Depending on, you know, in other words, as it was illustrated in one of the legends, you put your faith in an idol that's been made by hands, made out of clay, it can be broken, it can be stolen, whatever. And I think that, importantly, he began to question and, and, and think about what it was he was believing in. And unfortunately, I think, we live in a day and time when people are not thinking, not considering, and not pondering what they believe in across the board. But particularly, particularly when it comes to faith in God. When we have faith, which we'll see in this study, there's always going to be a tension, some sort of tension in our lives. Why? Well, it's what I said at the very beginning. 
Because once we embark on that journey of faith, believing in God, unlike I thought, we still will wrestle with our flaws and our frailties and even our failures. But the question becomes, will our faith guide us through those things that are in our own lives? I think God, throughout the scriptures, have, have encouraged and, in fact, invited uh, all of us, all of humanity, to trust him. Just trust him. Uh, he, and sometimes, in some passages, particularly in Isaiah, um, he's kind of almost uh, speaking tongue-in-cheek tongue when he talks about the belief that people, you know, have in, in things that cannot change anything. I mean, that's the thing. You believe in something that can't change anything. Uh, Isaiah 45, it says, God asked this question, you know, you have no knowledge, my people. You, you carry wood that's carved into an image. You pray to a God that cannot save. You tell and bring forth your case. You make counsel together and all this. And who has told you all these things? So God is recognizing that that seems to be our, our tendency. Let's call it, that's one of our frailties. We believe uh, in, in uh, you know, that we can buy the Brooklyn Bridge. You know, we, we have that tendency. But then also, he says in Isaiah 55, he, he, he says this. He says, if you're thirsty, well, then come to the waters. Or if you're hungry, get bread. But stop buying bread and trying to get something to drink that costs you money because the water I give and the bread I give will cost you nothing. So God is very aware of our flaws and our frailties and certainly our failures, but yet he still wants us to believe in him. Why? Because it is God who can guide us and help us navigate our lives through that. We're going to see in this study, Abraham, the man of faith, the man that the scriptures absolutely elevate to a point that we almost think that we cannot even reach that level, a man of faith, a person of faith, someone who has such strong belief in God that they would do something like this at 75 years old. Yet, in this study, my purpose is to show the tension of Abraham's life. In other words, we're going to see in the life of Abraham in this study that he still had fear of certain things. He feared man. In fact, he feared his life. He feared for his own life. He feared man. He feared what man could do to him. He feared what Pharaoh could do to him, so he lied. We're going to see that he has a flaw, deception. He wouldn't tell the truth. We're going to see where sometimes he would take, he would need reproof. We're going to see where Abraham had seemingly almost an uncontrollable at points, not always, but an anger and a, almost a, a, a dangerous anger. And then there was, we're going to see some times where even though his faith was in God and in God, he still struggled with unbelief or doubt when God said he was going to be a father. 
How does all this coexist together? You know, I, I think we'll be able to find the answer, but that's the point. Faith or a life of faith is not just faith and nothing else. It is faith in the midst of everything that we struggle with. And what is seen in that is not the power of our struggles. What is seen is the power and belief of faith in God, that God can help us and God can say, we're going to see with Abraham a horrible dilemma that he'll ultimately be faced with one day. We're going to see where he's trying to sort through. On one hand, God says this, and on the next hand, God says that, and he can't seem to figure out what the right thing to do is. Yet he believes God, all the while keeping faith in God. So in this study, while we will look at faith, because it is faith that actually is the starburst of this study, the faith of Abraham, your faith, my faith in God. We need to never lose sight of that. But at the same time, understand that it is a brightness in our lives. Our faith in God is a brightness when only contrasted with all the darkness that we each know in our own personal lives. Faith in God is what elevates us up to a point that we can understand our frailties and our flaws and even our failures. Here's what the scriptures say about God. Anyone, everyone who fears God and works righteousness is accepted by God. That is a very simple, non-complicated way of understanding how faith is a benefit to each of us. The scriptures also say, Paul wrote to the, book, to the church at Galatia, he says, Just as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted for him that he was righteous, therefore know that only those who, who have faith are truly children of God. And the scriptures says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted for him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Sometimes our flaws, our frailties, our failures seemingly are so powerful in our mind. Let us understand that if we have faith in God, God views us as his friend. And the Lord taught us that a friend will stick closer than a brother. So in this, I like reading what Abraham embarked on, but what he was going to have to deal with. The scriptures say in Genesis 15, he believed in the Lord and it was accounted for him that he was indeed righteous. So in this study, yes, we will look at faith and belief in God but not just as a freestanding principle, being negligent of everything else that we've got every day of our life. Instead, we will see how that faith moves us through our flaws and our failures and our frailties, how faith in God 
helps us survive, how our belief in God guides us and helps us when we're not for sure where we're going, which is exactly back to the text. He obeyed when he was called, not knowing where he was going. And so I think this morning, as we look at this and as we think about it, I'd like to close with what Paul wrote to the church at Rome, Romans chapter 4. He said it in a very beautiful way about Abraham. And remember, it was Paul who later in the book of Romans talks about uh, this, this, he would try to do good, evil is present with me, what, you know, what kind of man, who, who shall deliver me? I thank God, he says. But here's what he wrote about Abraham. Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able to perform. And therefore, it was written down for him that he was righteous. But it's not just written for him, Paul writes, but it's also for us also that it will be written down for each of us that if we believe on him, we will be considered righteous in the eyes of God. The scriptures tell us that if we draw near to God, he will draw near to to us. After 75 years, for whatever reason, that's what we see and that's how we'll begin when Abraham was drawn to God and God then drew himself to Abraham. And we'll go and see this in the study. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your words that truly give us an enlightenment about not only you, and our serving you and obeying you. But I'm thankful, Lord, that your scriptures, your words that you've preserved also give us insight about ourselves. And though we may come to a point where we look at ourselves and we wonder how in the world can we serve you, we will see time and time again that belief in you and trusting in you is the only way that we can rise above our flaws, our failures, and our frailties. So I trust today, Lord, that as we study, we give thought and we ponder, that we would realize that you've invited each one of us to embark on that journey of faith, even though most of it is unseen, Even though we may not know exactly where we're going or how it's going to happen, Lord, may we simply understand that if we trust you, as the hymn said, you grab our hand and lead us along. Thank you for your blessings, Lord, and we'll give you thanks in our Lord's name. Amen. Let's stand this morning as we come to a close. I want everyone to just think about this song. It's an, it, it's an old hymn. It's a great hymn. But as we sing this together as a church, those that are here today on the Lord's Day, the title itself says everything. 
Trust and obey. That's all we have to do as we sing, Brother Ed. Right.